Anyway, we are uh, back on this side. The bear just spooked all those deer out. And then Josh looks back and waves me over. And so I leave the cameras right where they are and just kind of creep on over and sit down next to him. And he just hands me his rifle and says, okay, he's coming up right through here and just points. And he like kind of jumps behind me and uh, calls out a range. It was like 120. And I'm just like, uh, you know, just thrown on the spot trying to figure out, okay, not my rifle. I, I've shot one round through it at the range just for fun when he and I were sighting in. Uh, that is all the experience I have with this rifle. And so, but mine is 50 yards behind me on my pack. Like this, it's do or die, this is happening. Welcome to Hunting Stories, brought to you by Late to the Game Outdoors. Everyone loves a good story and hunters have some of the best. Our whole mission is to collect and share great stories from hunters just like you to entertain and keep you motivated all year long. So pull up a seat around the campfire, cause here we go. What's up everybody? It, uh, it's been a while and I apologize for that, but we are back in full force. Uh, just diving back into the podcast world, uh, lining up a lot of new episodes that'll be coming out very shortly. Uh, so if you haven't already, please subscribe. If you're just discovering it, uh, welcome. Please uh, go back to the archives and uh, listen through some stories. And uh, for those that have messaged me saying, hey, I discovered it and I ran out of episodes and I'm really annoyed about that, uh, my apologies. But uh, we are back and here we go, kicking things off with a spring bear story which is really kind of the culmination of two different trips. But uh, if you've been around the podcast, you are well aware that there is a bear curse I have been operating under for quite a while. Uh, that is episode 11, if you want to go back and hear all the sordid details of how everything in creation conspires against me in favor of the bears. Uh, and I was convinced for four years chasing bears and having stuff go horribly wrong that the only way to break that curse would be to uh, to finally harvest a bear, and that is the event we are talking about here today. So, uh, I have been, uh, this spring, spending uh, several uh, days out in the backcountry uh, with my good buddy Josh Kirchner. He's from Dialed in Hunter. We've had him on the podcast a couple times. Great dude. Uh, great hunter. Great, just awesome guy. Uh, love spending time with him. But uh, he and I went on uh, an early spring backcountry trip. Three nights, four days. We had to uh, go in and stash our own water because this is the desert. And that is kind of the only way to ensure you have good water in most places. Uh, this, man, I, I don't know how I didn't make this a podcast in and of itself. Uh, this was the first time I ever, in the wilderness, have encountered these people that I've heard of, but was not sure they actually existed, but I encountered a hike-naked aficionado after I was stashing water. I was coming back down the trail, heading back to the truck, and I look up and I see another hiker approaching on the trail about 100 yards from me. Not an uncommon thing, but uh, you know how it takes your brain a second to, like, when you see something out of the ordinary your brain takes a second to like figure out what's going on. So I'm looking at this guy like there is, is this guy in like some sort of neoprene hiking suit I've never heard of before. And, and if he is, why did he pick khaki as the color? Uh, but then I don't know how to say this delicately, but there's like a kind of a small darker region, like right in the key area that like, I'm just staring at him for a second. Like what is happening? Oh, I see what's happening. 
Uh, and so I averted my eyes because that, that's naturally what you do. Um, and the, but we're still approaching each other. So I'm like, what in the world? I, I don't, what is the protocol here? How do you greet a fully naked man who is hiking up a trail at you? Well, the next, I look up a few seconds later to just try to figure out how we're going to do this. And I now get to see the backside of this fellow running down the trail away from me. And he, he ducks behind this, this bend in the trail. He's gone for just a few seconds, and he reappears, hiking towards me in this little pair of blue running shorts that apparently he keeps readily accessible should this happen. Um, and uh, that, it was a very tan butt running away, so this has probably happened to him before. I, I get the impression he does this quite regularly. Uh, and as we're walking, I'm like racking my brain, like, do I make a joke? What do I do? He didn't see me see him. So I, I, like, the ball's in my court as far as I'm concerned. And it, everything just seemed like it happened so fast that we just, we passed. I said, good morning. He said, good morning. We hiked on past each other as if nothing had just happened. And I will probably regret that for the rest of my life because I had, there were so many one-liners I should have delivered. Like if nothing else, like breezy morning, isn't it? Uh, just something subtle that he would be wondering the rest of his life. Did that guy know? Um, well, I know. And it has changed my life forever. Anyway. That happened about a week before our actual bear trip, and uh, and then we we pack back into this area, set up a base camp, and uh, it's it's kind of it's near this trail system that runs through. There's a basin right by camp that we were gonna check. It had some grass. It was looking decent. Uh, as the week went on, we saw so many like through hikers just making their way through there. Uh, and didn't see any bear sign or bears in that region. So we, we actually used that trail to get up and around and go over into the next basin, which was this huge network of, of canyons and draws uh, that also looked really good. And so uh, we spent, man, three and a half days just uh, back there glassing, searching for bears. And I did finally, I've, I've encountered a couple bears, some by accident, uh, one just like, came tearing through that that was just a couple episodes ago tearing through the bottom of a canyon i picked him up with my naked eye this was the first time i had the pleasure of glassing up bears so we're looking at this huge drainage i mean you can just see for miles uh, and if if you glass bears at least in arizona a lot of times you kind of focus on the lower half of the mountain like they just they like to be in that thick stuff uh, in the spring, as things green up, you can find the, the bottoms of these basins in some places just look like golf courses. It's just so lush. So in the interest of like being efficient with your glassing, you spend a lot of time looking down there. And so I had scanned the lower parts of these mountains uh, a dozen times. Just couldn't do it anymore. Needed to look at something different. So just on a whim, I, I angled the binos up and started glassing the, the tops of the ridges around. And I pick up a just over a mile away as the crow flies this giant brown sow uh didn't know she was a sow at first because she was humongous uh and so of course if you've ever been glassing bears you, the only response like you're just looking through your glass it's silent with you and your buddy there and then somebody just says bear bear that's a bear uh or so, some version of that but bear is the first word that comes out of your mouth for some reason i don't know why it's science and so I glass up this huge chocolate bear and I'm, I'm just beyond pumped. Like we actually did it after all these years of searching for bears. And most of the time I find nothing, uh, finding a bear. I'm like, I'm in, let's go. Like she's a long way off, but let's get after it. 
And about the time I had that thought, and about the time I walked Josh into it, uh, I saw another much smaller black bear cruising around with her and realized, well, well, we can't hunt this one. That's a bummer. Um, and actually it took a minute to come to that conclusion because it was, it was not a new cub. It was last year's cub. And this sow was so big that when you saw the cub on its own, you were kind of like, I, I don't know, is that a viable bear? What's going on? Uh, finally, at one point, the, the cub walked right up, like came alongside his mom uh, and started, apparently they do this thing where like the, like as a sign of submission or something, the, the cub was like licking the mom's teeth. I don't know. Never heard of that before. Learned it on that trip. Uh, but when seeing them side by side, you're like, okay, yes, that is absolutely a giant mama and her cub. So we will just leave her alone and continue hunting, which we did. And, uh, man, we had, we had a great trip. We shared a bunch of laughs. Uh, the wind was brutal for most of that trip. Like my eyes were bright red, just glassing in this wind, uh, tents most of the nights were just trying to like fly off the hill our camp was kind of up on this little bluff that was getting torn up by wind uh man just i i don't know about any of you backcountry guys but if you're in a tough wind situation it is hard to get a good night's sleep because you just like your tent is rattling all night long it wakes you up every 20 minutes uh the first night we had to josh's tent it wasn't windy when we got there and i just was lucky enough i set my tent up like sort of in the jet stream. Like it could not have been more aerodynamic to how the wind was. It was still bad, but not nearly as bad. Josh set his up like a sail, just totally broadside to the wind. And it was uh, like guy lines were ripping. Like it was it was getting bad. So we had to figure out how to unstake it and rotate it and restake it without losing all of his stuff in this hurricane we were dealing with. Uh, good times. It's exactly what you want to do in the dark when what you really want to do is just eat a dehydrated dinner and go to sleep. But we, uh, we hunted hard. We, we got word um, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Josh, had, Josh is well tied in with the Arizona bear hunting community. Heard a rumor that the, uh, the sow that was allowed for the spring hunt in the, the sow quota had been met just a, a day or two prior. Um, and so we kept a close eye, called in on the, the bear hotline all the time. Uh, Josh was texting his wife so she could look it up online, just trying to triple confirm because our plan was to hunt through Thursday morning. But if, if a unit shuts down, it closes down sundown on a Wednesday every time. That's just how they do it. Uh, but sure enough, by the end of Wednesday night, uh, nothing, it hadn't been closed. We woke up Thursday morning, we checked again, still nothing had been closed. So we just packed up camp and hiked on our, we basically hunted our way back to the truck. So there were a couple of points we hadn't been looking into, but also good looking country. Uh, posted up and glassed in a couple different spots. There was nothing and came home. But uh, feeling good that we glassed up some bears. We saw it was country neither of us had ever been in. It's always cool to see new places. And we knew it was on the early side of the year. Like there, there's not a ton of bear activity that early, but we wanted to get out there and at least have a chance to hunt it uh, because it's a unit that usually closes down pretty early. Then uh, there was a super uneventful afternoon where I went on my own to a different unit that was still open. Josh was up in Idaho chasing bears, which is a whole other story. I'll have to have him on telling the story uh, because it, it's an epic story. Saw a lot of action, gnarly country. It was terrific. At least so he tells me. But while he was gone, I, I just had a day I could get away from work early. And so, uh, you know, had a meeting and then immediately bombed up the road to try to get to this bear spot. Um... And because it was the last day was open, I, I was not paying attention to dates. 
they they close at different times, different units across the state. So I in my head I had a lot more time, and then I realized a couple days before I was planning to leave that oh shoot, this is closing today. So I'm not even going to stay overnight. Like I'm just going to drive all the way up, hunt the afternoon till the very last light, and then if nothing happens, I will hike back to my truck and drive back home. And uh, man, it was it was some country I had been in before, uh, but not for long. Is actually a spot that I went. Uh, one of the bear curse moments when my uh, Jeep exploded was heading up to this spot. So it was nice to go there again and not have my truck explode. But uh, man, just spend an afternoon hiking around, glassing a bunch of different spots. Good country again. There there was some feed. There there was all the stuff they should have had. Uh, at one point early on, I was glassing down at the bottom of this canyon, and uh, there were, I could see a bunch of little water holes. So perfect. It's a warm afternoon. Just keep checking those. Surely something's going to hit it. And there was a jet black, what turned out to be a moo cow, just laying down in the shade right next to this uh, water hole. But for a few seconds before he really moved, I'm just seeing this giant black body next to this water hole. Like this is perfect. This is going to happen. It's I mean it was well within rifle range. It was going to be great, and then after staring at it for a bit, I thought, wait, like, bear's ears don't move like that. They don't they don't flick and stuff. And then I caught, like, a swish of the big cow tail and uh, knew what was up. Uh, but just another great day to, to try because I was just committed. Like, this is the year. I say that every year about bears, but I was real dead set. This is the year that a bear hits the ground. And so finally... The story we're all trying to get to that maybe you've skipped through just to this point because you couldn't stand it any longer. Uh, later season spring bear hunt going to a totally different part of the state, different unit. Uh, it's, a, it's a honey hole of Josh's that he was kind enough to invite me to. Um, and it was one where he was able to get up a couple days before I could. So uh, I had work stuff going on. He was hunting for two days before I was able to come and join him for the, the long weekend. Uh, my plan was to hunt, uh, again, about three and a half days. Uh, so drive, be up there three nights. I was going to hunt that Monday morning, and then I had to be home. And so uh, the day I'm leaving, I am, as I get up into the high country, I am driving through snow and fog, and, and the, the road down to where he's camped is just like I am crawling because I can't see anything in front of me. The fog is so dense. And I thought, I am so sorry, Josh, I brought my bear curse with me because uh, he had had great weather and seen bears <laughs> the two days before I got there. Uh, he saw a mom with a couple of cubs. And then the next day he saw what he told me, in his words, is the largest bear he's ever seen in Arizona. And this is a guy who has looked at and harvested a lot of bears in Arizona. Uh, so we have named him Juggernaut. He is this gorgeous, giant red boar who was just like aggressively tearing stuff up for no good reason other than he wanted the forest to know he was in charge. Um, so we still think about him. Anyway, Josh had seen all that, so I'm just going up super excited, and of course I bring fog with me. Uh, rain and fog is rolling through. I, I was probably there for a couple hours before we could even like throw on packs and head out because it looked like visibility was finally clearing up. And even then, we hiked out to this glassing point and just kind of got spit on off and on rain showers until probably 530. So we really had like two hours of actual hunting, uh, tons of bull elk moving around in the area, uh, some that are going to be monsters. Like they were, this was May and there was one that was already a five point. Um, so just, just some killer stuff to see. And they were all everywhere all the time, just elk crazy. Um, but no bears that first day. Uh, that night, some massive winds picked up. It's just a theme of my bear hunting excursions. 
and they held on like the entire day. Uh, just I, I've sat in some tough winds. That that first hunt had pretty strong winds. These winds that day were seriously the strongest winds I've ever sat through. Like just gnarly stuff. Just that like mentally exhausting kind of uh, wind. And so with with the bad weather the day before, the winds, nothing much was moving at all. Uh, We kind of got a little impatient and Josh was conflicted. Like, okay, I've seen bears in here, you know, never leave bears to find bears, but it's some big country. And, you know, he had some backup pins dropped. So we foolishly decided that afternoon about two o'clock, like, let's hike back. Uh, Let's hop in the truck. Let's drive to this different area. Uh, Hike in, you know, there's this ridge. Looks like I might be able to see some stuff. So, so let's get after it. And uh, we went on a walkabout, as they, somebody calls it, uh, just hiking through awful deadfall, just the nastiest stuff, uh, kind of some cattle rancher country, like just things were torn. It was a brutal, miserable hike that led to nothing. Like we put all these miles on our boots, finally got to the spot that on the map looked like, yeah, we might be able to see off of both sides. And we couldn't see anything anywhere that was remotely huntable. Uh, and the sun was going down quick. So we just tail tucked between our legs. We hiked back to the truck. We drove. And there was one little spot that we could turn off on the way back to where we were camped. That was, it was like a 400-yard hike down a little hill off to a knob where we could glass some stuff. We thought, well, it's that or head back to camp early. And we are not the head back to camp early types when it comes to hunting. So glassed off that. Just looked at such green grass. Just, it, I mean, it looked... It, it, it was so green, it looked like out of place to not have bears running through it. Uh, but sadly, didn't see any bears that evening. Back to camp, licked our wounds. A long day of hiking. The next day, we finally got some killer weather uh, and went back to our glassing spot and just committed. We sat there for 14 hours glassing this country in all directions. Uh, saw a ton of bulls, which was awesome. But, uh, but alas, no bears that day, unfortunately. So this brings us to Monday morning and I had decided like, okay, I'll probably, we'll head out at first light. We'll sit there and glass. I'll I'll glass with Josh till about 10 and then I'll leave him there at the glassing point. I'll hike back, uh, pack up my camp and hit the road, get back to the family. I was already texting the wife like, yep, uh, unless something amazing happens, I'll be home for dinner. And uh, so we head out and I don't know if it's, I'm sure it's not just me. I've talked to other hunters about this, but you remain optimistic and you, you wouldn't be out there hunting if you didn't believe something could happen. But there's still like this realism that sets in or maybe just like inertia of day after day of not seeing anything. Like in my head, at least looking back on my actions and kind of the way I prepared with not enough food, not enough water. I really went out prepared to just sit there in glass for a few hours and then hike back, um, which is foolish. And that, that is the tip learned from this hunt uh, that man, go like you are going to kill something every time. Like if you're out there, be prepared to have everything you need for I'm going to shoot something. It's going to take hours to get it out of here. So I need enough food and water and, and whatever. Because I went just like, yeah, a few hours sitting here on a mountainside, beautiful nature with a good buddy, and then I'll leave. And that leads to what ultimately happened. So we're sitting there glassing about eight o'clock. Josh does the the universal call of a spot and stock bear hunter, which is just bear. And here's this lone bear just kind of pinballing around this hillside, three ridges over, uh, just, you know, bouncing from food to food. And so this was amazing because I've I've hunted a lot with Josh, um, but I somehow our schedules always (laughs) 
like happen where I have to leave like last fall we hunted together for a whole weekend not any action really to speak of I had to leave a day early the next day he calls me and says bear down like it, it just always seems to happen because I had a bear curse that once I leave Josh kills a bear so just to like be a part of oh hey man Josh and I are actually going after something together that's cool but uh, he glasses this bear and he just like he's like all right we got to go let's move uh, throw our stuff together and just like trekking poles out, bomb down, down and up and down and up again. And it, I mean, it's just some gnarly thick, lots of blow down, huge patches of this, uh, Lotus brush. Uh, we started calling it the, the devil's something. I can't even remember. Uh, it was appropriate. I just can't remember what the, what the object was. Uh, just nasty, nasty, thorny stuff that just digs through anything and claws you up. Uh, so it took us about an hour to get, uh, up and down and over to, to kind of the adjacent ridge. So there's the hillside we saw him on. And we, uh, once we got to sort of the, the backside of the top of the adjacent ridge, like we slowed everything down, trekking poles back on the packs, uh, Josh got his rifle in hand cause he glassed it. So it's his bear. And, uh, and I take one of his cameras. I've got my camera. So we're both filming this thing. And so those are our roles. We start stalking, uh, around playing the wind, just cr- slowly creeping onto that adjacent hillside. So we're now about 250 yards from where we saw him an hour before just ping ponging around. And unfortunately that side of the hill is just all thick timber. So we could not find a solid vantage to just stare at the whole hill. Uh, so we just kind of like crept through the best we could, kept our eyes peeled, and then sort of just picked a spot mid-hill where there were a couple of gaps in the trees where we could see some of the hill. We could identify some. Okay, he was he was eating on that bush. He was sitting behind that thing. Like we, we could see where he was. And then we just decided to wait. And so we just posted up. Josh had the rifle ready, we're, we're glassing, we're scanning, we're looking everywhere. There was some doe that were feeding off to our left in this aspen thicket that because they were a, directly upwind of us. So like they noticed us walking, but didn't freak out. They just kind of stayed there. We're eating the whole time. And, and we're just sitting there and, and Josh's plan was, okay, we're going to we'll post up for a bit. We'll see if we can pick him up. If he doesn't show up in a little while, I'll get out the call, start calling, see if we can make him come to us. So we sit for probably about 20 minutes and and suddenly Josh catches movement in the bottom of the drainage. And here's this bear that uh, is now working his way through the bottom and he's coming up onto our side. Um, and he has no idea we're there. He's just sort of meandering and feeding and he starts moving to our right, which is exactly the way the wind is going. So, so we hop up real quick. Josh like picks up his rifle, gets a look at him through the scope and then hops up and I'm just following with cameras. Uh, creeping along, trying to both kind of head him off and also keep our wind from getting to him. Because if he keeps on the path he's going, he's eventually going to get downwind of us and it's all going to be over. And so we creep over and he kind of disappears back behind some some aspens that we can't see through. And we're looking and scanning and, and suddenly Josh looks over and sees, oh no, he's changed directions again. He's moving out back to our left. And so we, we just double back and we're, we're stalking along, side hilling, trying to stay quiet and, and unseen. And um, finally, we, we kind of pass our packs that we had left. And, uh, and then Josh just kind of moves on ahead a little bit further. And, uh, and I see like he kind of finds this little like flat spot where there, he can clearly see if the bear stays on the same path, he's just going to intercept him perfectly. And so he sits down and starts to prepare. 
So I creep up behind him, set the cameras uh, to try to get the whole thing happening on camera. And, and I'm just sitting back there waiting and watching. And then uh, we hear uh, one of the does that was over here feeding. She, she blows like they do. Uh, and, and we look over and they're not, they're not looking at us. They're looking straight down the drainage where this bear was coming from. And then they all tear off. So they see the bear. He's clearly coming. Just spooked all those does out of there. And so uh, Josh gets, gets up and ready. Uh, and I see him like drop his face, look down through the scope again. And then he looks back at me and, and waves me over. And now I, I forgot to mention earlier while we were uh, stalking the one direction, he, he kind of looked back and we're doing all the Navy SEAL hand signals. And he sort of whispers to me like, hey, I might have you shoot this bear. Uh, because Josh is not only an extremely generous and, and awesome friend, uh, he's just an excellent bear hunter. He's harvested a number of them. He prefers to hunt them with his bow. And he had already seen Juggernaut, the giant that's still in there. And so all of this is playing out in his head. And he's like, ah, this is, it's not, I mean, it's not like a mini bear, but it's not a big bear by any means. And so the thought of, of shooting it with his rifle wasn't really exciting him. So he thought, this seems like a great starter bear for Eric. Are you a new hunter or even a guy with some miles under his boots who's still just trying to figure it out? I get it. I've been there. I'm an adult onset hunter who spent the last 15 years learning how to hunt. And so I wrote the book, How to Hunt, A Total Beginner's Guide to Hunting Big Game, as the resource I wish existed all those years ago when I first started. Whether you're planning to chase elk with your bow in the west or you're hunting for whitetails back east, this book will take you from knowing absolutely nothing to your first harvest. It's packed with hunting stories and plenty of those times where I royally screwed up. You'll leave with a sound strategy for hunting big game and have plenty of laughs along the way. Grab a copy today at latetothegameoutdoors.com slash howtohuntbook. Anyway, we are uh, back on this side. The bear just spooked all those deer out. And then Josh looks back and waves me over. And so I leave the cameras right where they are and just kind of creep on over and sit down next to him. And he just hands me his rifle and says, okay, he's coming up right through here and just points. And he like kind of jumps behind me and uh, calls out a range. It was like 120. And I'm just like, uh, you know, just thrown on the spot trying to figure out, okay, not my rifle. I, I've shot one round through it at the range just for fun when he and I were sighting in. Uh, that is all the experience I have with this rifle. And so... But mine is 50 yards behind me on my pack. Like this, it's do or die. This is happening. And so I get set up in the seated position, propped up on my knee. Uh, and I'm looking through the scope and, and looking and trying to pick him up. And sure enough, I see him. Uh, he's kind of meandering like in and out from behind this timber. And, uh, and sure enough, like finally I, I get him. He, he pops out from behind these trees. He's perfectly broadside, stops to eat on something. And so I just, you know, try to settle in the crosshairs and, and squeeze the trigger, do my thing. Gun goes off, and it's it's chaos, like it always is. Like, I'm looking through the scope, I can't see him. I pop my head up, because he's, you know, only 100-ish yards away. And I'm looking, and I can't see, and and so I'm just asking Josh, what, did, did I hit him? What's going on? And Josh tells me, no, you missed. Which would be a great thing to leave out of the podcast, but why lie? I missed. Uh, <laughs> I could see on the footage that I just hit, uh, like, right under him. I know I totally jerked the trigger. Dirt flew up right behind underneath him uh but this bear like apparently had never been shot at before because he just sort of looks around that was that was weird something tried to bite me he just keeps sort of meandering in and out and around this the, all this stuff looking for food or looking for the source of what ha he didn't seem all that phased 
And so the, the whole time I'm like, okay, he's still there. This isn't over yet. Settle down. I instinctively, uh, I don't practice this at the range, so I don't know how it happens other than instinct. But the every time I have shot a rifle at an animal, I instinctively cycle the action. So there's another one in. Like, I don't know how that got buried in my head, but it's a great thing to do. If you don't do that, train yourself to do it. Anyway, there's another round in the chamber. We're ready. Uh, I, I get the chance to, to roll the scope magnification up just a little bit, like to 8 or 10 power or something, or I can just get a tighter shot on him. And I'm looking through, and, and finally, like, I see his head pop out. I'm not going to take a headshot on this bear. Uh, and then finally, he steps out, puts his two front paws on this log, and stands there just sort of majestically puffing his chest out, quartering two really hard. And so I, I just, I know my shot. And so I settle those crosshairs right on his inside shoulder that's facing me. Uh, and I, this time at least like thought through all the fundamental, like, okay, this isn't my gun. I don't know this trigger really well, but just gonna like, just gonna squeeze and stay steady and surprise myself and executed that perfect surprise shot. And then the, I see the bear just go spinning like a top down into the bottom of the drainage uh, and just everything still. Like he does, he doesn't go running up the other side. Like he just spins down and then stops, just lays there. So we're just sitting for what felt like forever, but I think is really like 15 or 20 seconds. And then we hear that sound that I've heard of, but I've never heard myself until now. You hear that death moan. The bear just lets out this guttural cry. And you know that you've done it in that moment. Like that is a dead bear down there. Uh, we're not, we're not going to be tracking and we're not going to have to sneak up on a wounded bear. Like that is a dead bear down there. All the emotions that, that always happen, but somehow I think just because of how hard I've worked for a bear, um, I've, I've, I always get emotional. Like I feel it, but I've actually never cried when I shot an animal. There were tears shed over this bear. Uh, just the, the sense of accomplishment, something I'd worked for for so long, uh, it finally happened. Uh, so th then we're just in, you know, it, it's time to get to work. Uh, we gave him about 20, 30 minutes just to make sure everything's good and dead. Texted the wife, hey, that whole home for dinner thing is not happening. And uh, we went down and, man, it's just so great to, to lay your hands on that bear for the first time. It's actually weird. There's like a human thing that takes over that I knew it was a dead bear. Like it was very dead. But uh, as I walked up to it, like you you have to like force yourself to take those like that last 10 feet up to the bear because there's still this part of you that's like that's a bear you don't walk up to a bear are you a psycho um and yes i am so uh we we got him cut up and uh cleaned up and skinned out and uh josh threw all the meat in his pack i threw the hide and skull in my pack and then we had what is only uh two miles as the crow flies but what took us three hours to get back to camp because the country is just so gnarly uh so the the down up down up that we had to do to get there we had to do the same thing in reverse through all the deadfall through all the thorn stuff uh and then that was just to get back to our glassing point which then was you know another hour hike back to the the camp and the trucks uh which is why what I said earlier about always going prepared for as if you're going to kill something. Uh, I decided to leave my extra leader in the Nalgene back at camp. I didn't even throw enough food for like a whole day in my in my gear when I left for this hunt. Like I packed just a few snacks that'll get me through the morning. 
and then, of course, when I killed a bear and we were not getting back till camp till about 4.30, 5 o'clock, uh, I am starving and dehydrated. I, I drained my bladder, my water bladder, not my biological bladder, uh, sucked that thing down to empty at the very bottom of the last drainage. So before our steepest, longest climb, and then the hike back to camp, I cashed out all my water. Uh, I, I sucked down the last like six Sour Patch Kids that I had in my pack, and that was it for food. Uh, like I just was ill-prepared. So I will never do that again. Uh, and even when I'm just going to hunt the morning, I'm going to come with a full day's worth of stuff as if I'm going to kill something. Because it turns out you might just kill something. Um, anyway, back to the truck. It was uh, just amazing and sore and tired and some, so funny about the, an absolute suffer fest hiking a bear out of country like that. That Like the second I'm sitting there on the tailgate swigging down water and just like resting my legs, I was already excited to do it again. <laughs> like man we got to come back here and have josh kill that giant bear so we can haul him out of here because that's going to be fun um it, it's so weird how the brain forgets all the pain and just thinks of how uh, the the sense of accomplishment and the excitement anyway that is the story uh, of my spring bear hunting season of my first bear of the end of the bear curse uh and so now i fully expect that future bear hunts there will not be nearly the number of problems i have had so far because the curse has officially been broken guys thank you so much for listening uh man we're like i said we're gonna get a lot more episodes coming up here coming out weekly uh, consistent content. I'm, I'm setting up some interviews with some other guys that have reached out to me, but if you've got a killer hunting story, uh, please hit me up. You can uh, go to latetothegameoutdoors.com uh, and contact me through there, or I'm on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. You can just uh, send me a DM and we'll, we'll set something up. We'll t- chat through the story because uh, I do. I just want to get lots of awesome hunting stories from all around the world, not just the West, not just the Southwest. Like, let's Let's just tell awesome hunting stories because they're fun and they're awesome and they they keep us fired up and motivated even in the off season. All right, guys, that is it for this episode. We will see you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hunting Stories. And if you want to stay up on what we're doing with the podcast or anything else going on with Late to the Game, go ahead and check us out at latetothegameoutdoors.com or give us a follow on Instagram at latetothegameoutdoors. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time.